you're about to discover the secret like no one on earth before. If you've read Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich book, looking for the secret in those pages, or watch the movie The Secret, you'll want to take out a notebook for today's interview and put away all distractions. The lessons you'll take away from this next episode, I guarantee from personal experience that what you'll learn today has the potential to change the course of your life forever. Welcome back to season 10 of the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning Podcast, where we connect the science-based evidence behind social and emotional learning that's finally being taught in our schools today and emotional intelligence training used in our modern workplaces for improved well-being, achievement, productivity, and results. Using what I saw as the missing link the application of practical neuroscience. I'm Andrea Samadhi, an author and an educator with a passion for learning, and launched this podcast five years ago with the goal of bringing all the leading experts together in one place to uncover the most current research that would bring back how the brain learns best by taking us all to new and often unimaginable heights. For today's episode number 292, we have a surprise guest who I didn't know we'd have on the interview schedule until this past weekend. After receiving his new book in the mail, I sent out an interview invite, and when the answer came back, you pick the day, I knew I had to make a decision quickly and firmly. It was our next guest's father who taught me to never waver on a decision. We've all been there, though, wondering, should I do this now or later? Leave it, don't leave it, do it, don't do it, or say it, don't say it. There's nothing worse than being stuck with that feeling of ambivalence that comes from indecision. And if my path hadn't have crossed with motivational speaker Bob Proctor, I wouldn't have learned the importance of eliminating conflict in the mind by learning to become proficient at making decisions. I quickly picked the interview date for two days away, and I knew it was the right answer because that's another skill we were taught. Learn to listen to that quiet voice within and always go with your heart. It will never lead you in the wrong direction. Today's guest is Bob Proctor's son, who worked by his side for 30 years, Ryan Proctor. And for 60 years, he was schooled with the experiences and wisdom learned by being the son of the legendary speaker who impacted my life and millions of others around the world with his teachings that were all based on the principles of success. Now, I've known Brian Proctor since the late 90s when I was first creating the goals and dreams of my future on notepads, and I was using his father's material as my guide. Brian was right there, encouraging me along the way. I highly recommend his work. He's extraordinarily humble and a uniquely kind human being. You'll see what I mean when we meet him. I haven't seen Brian since I ran into him at the last live seminar I attended around January of 2016 in Los Angeles. And this was 16 or so years since I'd been on staff working behind the scenes with him and all those others in the early days. 
It's always interesting seeing people you've not seen in years, as you both remember where each other began. He knew me well, and I'd say I knew him well. It's always neat to see where people end up, especially when you work in the personal development industry, as we get to see each other's lives as works in progress. Brian would see my journey over the years just as I'd watch his. And his son, Danny, became an important influence in my family's life, as Danny helped me with many projects along the way, especially when I worked with youth and with the project involved his passion, filmmaking. I did see Brian again after that seminar in 2016 when I took the Paradigm Shift seminar online and I had the chance to study directly with him and learn more about where his life had progressed to since I knew him all those years ago, but I still had many questions for him that I knew he was asked often. I wondered, what was it really like having Bob as your dad? When you were stuck, I thought, did he show you the way forward or did he make you figure it out on your own? Then I thought, how exactly do you feel his influence and do you still feel him today? And then I wondered what chapters of Think and Grow Rich were important to him the most. I knew some things were mentioned over the years, but reading through the pages of Brian's new book, my questions were all answered and then I filled in some other areas that I had no idea about. You can watch an interview Brian did recently on Vladdy's author show. And I put a link in the show notes so you can see some of the answers to the questions that I've had over the years that come out in her interview. And in the first few pages of the book, you'll see quotes and endorsements from leaders like Brian Tracy, who I've quoted often on this podcast. And I can't even tell you how excited I was to see that Price Pritchett wrote the foreword to this book. And you'll learn how Bob and Price became acquainted. And if you've been listening to this podcast, you'll know how often I quote Price's U Squared book. We covered it on episode 109, where Pritchett covered a high velocity formula for multiplying our personal effectiveness in quantum leaps. And then we covered it again last October with an episode that we called Success is Nonlinear and talking about quantum leaps, which is a topic I want to dive deeper into in the next few seasons. Today, I'm beyond excited to have the chance to catch up with Brian Proctor and gain access to some of the connections and knowledge that could only be known from those who walk side by side to this well-known and respected speaker. Let's welcome Brian Proctor and see what we can uncover together with his new book, My Father Knew the Secret, Growing Up with Bob Proctor, and use these lessons immediately to improve our life. So welcome, Brian Proctor. It's so awesome to see you today. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, Andrea. It's great to see you too. It's been uh, it's been a little while. This is really nice. I know, it sure has. I think the last time I saw you was around 2016 when I went to one of Bob's seminars in Los Angeles. Uh, I think so. And then I took one of your seminars, the Paradigm Shift Online. So I know you don't get to see who's all listening, but I feel like I saw you recently just from, from listening to that. That's great. Uh, where are you located? I know you you talk about your house on the ocean. Where are you? Are you in the U.S. or? Yeah, so I'm in the U.S., uh, uh, Pacific Northwest, uh, Washington State. Awesome. Um, yeah, we're right on uh, Puget Sound here. It's just, it's absolutely beautiful. Really nice. Well, Brian, this is this is an honor for me to get to talk to you about this new book that you've, you've just released. 
I just got my copy and uh, I know it's been years since we worked together and there's a lot I want to ask you and just a lot of memories from the past, like getting to watch you where you started. And it's fun because you got to see me when I started. We know each other pretty well from from the old days, but just to kind of put everything in place that these principles really do work when applied, right? They really do. Um, I mean, I you know, I, I obviously I grew up with Bob Proctor as a father. So, you know, I, I got hit with it right from the from day one. And, uh, the, you know, without a doubt, these principles work. Um, you know, I've seen it work in my life. Um, I've applied everything that my father taught me. And I'm living, honestly, Andrew, I think I'm living a charmed life. Um, it's it's really, I, I'm living a wonderful life. And it's because I just step out and I took action on all the principles that I've been taught since I was a little kid. Exactly. Like I, I, th- I go back to to when I first ran into Bob, my mom knew him from Sun Life Insurance. So it wasn't too far off when I started saying, oh, look at these principles. And, and my mom said, oh, Bob has been working with all the insurance guys and they're all hitting their goals with their their sales. And so, you know, I had the belief from home. So it wasn't too weird when I said, hey, you guys, I'm going to quit my teaching job and go work for Bob Proctor. My mom (laughs) got it, but my dad just thought it it was a little bit off the wall. But creating a charmed life, I go back to that decision and I created everything that I'd written on on that piece of paper and those notes. So I really hope that listeners, um, you know, really see the seriousness of these success principles that they've been working for, for decades before I came across them. And and then you applied them, I've applied them. So that's really what I'm hoping that listeners uh, really take away from the lessons here and see how serious they are. Well, you know what, Andrea, I, I think back to that. And I think the courage, really, it took for you to leave the teaching industry to do that uh, when, you know, everything around you is saying, what am I doing? Am I crazy? I've got something here. I've got a career track. I went to school for it. And I'm leaving it to try something else. And I look back on the years and years of all the seminars that my father did and the people that came to the seminars. And so many people were doing things that they maybe liked, but they didn't love. And there was something else they really wanted to do. And, you know, my father, through his teachings, gave people the courage to step out and do what they really wanted to do. Yeah. And those people, my gosh, I mean, Andrea, you you know, and you're a great example of it, um, that the people that stepped out and started to do what they really wanted to do and were passionate about, the world opens up in such a big way and so much more becomes available to us. And like you say, we live a charmed life. We, we You're doing what you love to do. And, you know, if if it's your own business, whatever, you can earn unlimited income. There's just so many great things to making that decision and stepping out and living the life you truly want to live. You know, that was that was a big thing that I have always learned. You got to live the life you want to live for you and, uh, you know, take care of obviously those around you, but to live the way you really want to live. It's a it's a it's a great way to be. Yeah, Brian, it's funny because I I remember you not being too too thrilled with some of the things you were doing back in the day. You could just mm-hmm. tell, you know, I, and then you could probably look at me and go, yeah, Andrea is not really living her charm life. She, there's something else she's supposed to be doing. So it's kind of really neat to, to sit here and see you now living your charm life 
married to the person that 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 just makes you so happy. It, it's an amazing thing. So let's just get into your book here because this is why we're here. What do you want people to take away? Like we're both talking about how we, we use these examples and it's just wild to look at it. But what, what message do you want people to get from reading this? Well, really the whole book, I'll show you, I've got a copy here. It's, nice. um, it's okay. called My Father Knew the Secret, Growing Up with Bob Proctor. And Honestly, Andrew, I'm, I'm really proud of this book, and I'm proud of it not because I wrote it. Um, the book really isn't about me. It's really about my father. And what I'm really proud of is, you know, since he passed away, I was I had been writing this book when he was alive. I started writing it almost four years ago, and he was really encouraging me. Um, he loved the fact that I was writing this book. At that time, we didn't know what I was going to call it. Um, I just knew that it was lessons I learned from my father. Um, and the whole purpose of it was really to share a viewpoint with the world of Bob Proctor that nobody really got to see. Um, you know, when you see him on stage or online on YouTube, um, you know, he's teaching and he's he's doing his thing. But you never really get to know who is Bob Proctor? What is he like? as a person, as a father, as a friend. And this book enabled me to really share who Bob Proctor was. And I got to share it in a really kind of a fun way for me. Um, you know, the lessons I learned right from when I was a little kid, all the way up until, you know, right before he passed. And, um, you know, I, I share those lessons in a fun story kind of a format. So it's really nice and easy to read. Um, and then I have considered points at the end that that really show how you can apply that lesson, that story to your own life and so that you can live a better life. So I really feel that for me anyway, I think this book really carries on the legacy of who my father was. And, uh, and I'm really, really just to, to my core, I'm really happy about doing that. It feels right. It feels good. And, um, you know, it's, I feel I'm doing it for the right reason. I think it's really good to, uh, to continue on the legacy of what, what he was all about. Definitely. It's beautifully written, Brian. Like I, I know your work over the years. It moved me from the very beginning. And then the, the way that you put the pictures in. And it wasn't just the typical lessons that I would have expected that you would have picked. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll get into some of them with the questions, but some, some of them were obvious, you know, like how to have a good attitude or how to set goals. You didn't pick the, the usual ones. You went in a, li a little bit deeper. And that's what I liked where you picked the sides where we didn't get to see what Bob was like behind closed doors or, you know, and, and the, the beginning part was really difficult. The, those final days that, that only family would see. Um, bringing that to the world is just a eye-opening to open the book and see how difficult it was in the end, but how he still went and lived the principles himself right up to the uh, level. Yeah, and I have to admit that that first part was very tough to write. Um, it took me it took me certainly a little while to do that, um, but I felt it was good to put it in there. I think it's good for for people to see what my father was like right at the end when he wasn't doing well and how he still treated people, how, what he did. Um, you know, it's pretty special. And, and I agree with you. I don't think I covered the, the main lessons that he taught in seminars. And I did that for a reason. It's, it's, you can see that everywhere. It's all over YouTube. It's, right. it's, it's, it's everywhere. Um, I, I really felt that some of the core lessons that 
he taught me as his son, um, I think would resonate with, I think with, with, with people in a really good way and in a unique way. Um, and I think if, if people take these lessons and apply it in their own life, uh, you'll see, you, I mean, you know, you know, the difference that it makes. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, on page 18, you talk about the timing and writing of the book. And and I know how difficult it is. I've had, you know, the, the documents open on my desktop and you can hear the kids swimming in the pool and here I'm supposed to write. Like nothing's coming. Even when I write these podcast episodes, it's hard to get the wheels turning. Um, but Bob told you, don't rush it. Take your time and write from the heart. And, you know, he gave me the same advice when I interviewed him, episode 66, a few years ago. He said, you'll never go wrong when you're leading from your heart. Just always listen to your heart. So looking back now, how do you think all of this was supposed to happen? And what did you learn from releasing the book at this time? Well, I think at the end of the day, things happen the way they were supposed to happen. Um, it's certainly not the way I planned it to happen. Um, I have to be careful. I don't get emotional. I, 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 you know, it's, it was really tough when, when, when my father passed and, um, for, for, you know, who's ever watching that don't know, I was extremely close with my father. Um, we weren't just father and son. We were like best friends and we talked multiple times every day. Um, and so when I started writing this, you know, he was, he was kind of excited about it. Um, in a fun Bob Proctor way. And, you know, he would, he would kind of razz me, what are you doing today? What are you writing? Um, and then he would, he would give me kind of food for thought on whatever subject I was writing about, which was great. It really helped. And, and that was the thing. Then he said to me, he said, Brian, don't rush this, just do it at your pace with what feels right. And he says, if you write from the heart, it's going to be a great book. And, uh, and, and I, I look back on it and I think, I feel like he knew he wasn't going to be here when the book came out because he just kept saying, take your time, take your time. And uh, it's kind of hard to think of that, but I know that in whatever, where, wherever he is, he's seeing what's going on. And, and I think he's, he sees the message that I put out there and it's all good. Um, you know, he never knew what the title was. However, I feel he inspired the title. Um, you know, when, when, dad passed away right beforehand. He said to me, he says, Brian, please talk to me every day. He says, you'll hear me, whether that's through my intuition or whatever that is, you'll, you'll hear my answer. And I took that to heart. Um, so, you know, I, I, I do talk to him every day. Um, it's not always easy, but I, you know, I do. And the title for this book, it came to me in the middle of the night. I dreamed about dad and I woke up, it was around three in the morning and this title, my father knew the secret. It just, it just hit, I, you know, I, I'm sure it was in, in, inspired, uh, you know, guided that way. And to the point that I actually got up and went and wrote it down um, because, you know, at three in the morning, sometimes these things can leave your head pretty easily. Um, and so I went and wrote it down and, you know, I feel that was his way of guiding what the title was. And it was just such a nice tie to him being in the movie, The Secret, um, and, and what that did for his career. And I really feel that the title is indicative of the book. Like, my father really did know the secret. He knew the secret to life. And he lived it. He lived it every day. Um, and uh, it just, 
felt right. So that's that's kind of how the book came to be. Um, you know, when 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 he passed, it took me a little while to get back into writing it again because it was really tough. And um, the first thing I did write was that first chapter. Um, I felt I had to write it while I really it was still anchored deep. Um, and uh, it's been it's been a project of love. Um, I've really enjoyed the process of writing this book. Uh, my wife, Corey, really helped me edit the book. And I feel she brought it even more life into it, which was really, really nice. Um, Corey and my father had a great relationship. So it was it was a fun process. Um, it was it was a good process for me. Um, I really, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm really proud of what I've written. And I really think I feel in my heart, this book will change lives, um, in, in a simple way, um, because people will get the messages really clearly. And like you say, I've put pictures, I put different things in the book that I hope anyway, anchor the lesson and the moment. Um, and I think, I think it's, it's, well, it's certainly being well-received already. So I feel, feel really good about it. Awesome. There's so much to what you just said there that I could go in a million directions, but I just want to narrow in on a few because it was Bob that taught me to write down my dreams. Back in the late 90s, he said, you know, I could take a quote from Napoleon Hill, gaff those ideas with a pencil that come in your dreams, write them down because they'll have meaning. And, you know, you did it. I wonder, did did he teach you that or, you know? Yeah, you know what, I, now that you say that, Right. So funny. I remember that. You know, he said that so often. Anytime. And and, and I guess that's probably why I did it because wow. of hearing that so often. But yeah. um I that that obviously that's an unconscious thing. Yeah. Uh, but as soon as you said it, it's like, wow, yeah, that is where it probably came from. Right. Yeah. Right. So I, I did that after he's he said so, and I can go back to the late 90s and pick up on themes and circle themes. I dreamt about writing books. And seeing them in teachers um, in their offices, things like that. And so it would just kind of little messages would guide me along the way in dream world. And so I just thought that was interesting that the title came in a dream. And then another thing is that now that you've written it, do you feel like it was you writing it? It, it, This is a hard thing, a question to ask, but it came from through you, but you know what I mean? The message, sometimes I'm reading my stuff and I'm like, who wrote this? It didn't come from my conscious. It didn't come. It comes from the heart. It comes from so deep within. Do you feel what I'm talking about with this question? Yeah. Yeah. And I can say it was a little bit of both. Um, I certainly wrote it um, consciously, but there was a lot of moments that things just flowed through. And the message kind of flowed through and I was just in touch with the message. Um, You know, when I was writing it, I would sit here at my desk and I would just shut everything else off and I would just really focus on it. And even at times when I was having trouble with what I was going to put down and how I was going to structure a certain paragraph, let's say, um, uh, my wife, Corey, she had a great suggestion. She said, Brian, don't stress over it. Just close everything off. First thing you do in a day is just write 500 words, just 500 words. That's all you got to focus on. Once you've done 500 words, close up the computer and go off and do whatever the heck you want to do that day. I thought, what a great suggestion. You know, it's very similar to what dad had suggested before with, you know, if you just took an hour every day to do something 
focused, you would end up with several 40 hour work weeks um, of conscious energy towards one thing. And that's kind of what I did. So I, I, I then started doing that just, just 500 words. And some days I'd maybe write 1500 words because it really got me into the flow. And other days I wasn't, but I still got the, the words in. And then it, it just, it did. Sometimes I was writing, sometimes it was just flowing and guided. Um, but it just, I don't know, felt right. Felt good. Right. No, I, 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 as you were talking, I could really see it. And I think it'll be interesting because I've got it on my desk. You talked about, um, I watched Vladdy's interview with you and I thought it was phenomenal. I put the link in the show notes so people can see your other interviews on the book and get different takes. But, um, you know, just flipping through the pages, there's so much to it. You know, you can look at the pictures and maybe if you need inspiration on a daily basis, like I would do with Think and Grow Rich, I would open it up and read a little bit. I'm going to do the same with yours now. It's joined the stack along with Price Pritchett to use Squared, Think and Grow Rich. I got them all. Yeah. But, um, so so if we go into chapter one, I know we talked about you know, the, the difficult part of it, but if we could talk about who Bob really was um, and how he made everyone feel so special. And then I thought about when you presented at the seminars, did you cover the impression of increase? Was that yours? Yes, I did. Um, I always covered it. It was one of the, that was one of the base lessons. I think my father taught me as a young child that I've always lived with. And I certainly taught my kids it. Um, so yeah, I can talk about that if you like. It's Yeah, so I just wondered because he had this ability to look at everybody and see that they were special, make them feel better off for the fact that he'd met them. And then I just wondered how did you take that in your life? How did you see that? What did people in the seminars do with that? Cuz that was a big one. Well, you know, the cool thing was and this is something that I think people really need to know. My father was truly the person you saw on stage. Um, like how he was in private life was no different. Um, he was he was the same person. And you know that. You've, you've met my father God knows how many times. Um, I look back on that, you know, like you say, that, that first chapter when I talked about him in the hospital. And, you know, my father at the very end, he was not doing well. He was in a lot of pain. Um, he could barely move. Um, he was just not in a great place. The cool thing with dad was he did not let that dictate how he was going to be or how he was going to show up and how he was going to treat those around him. Um, you know, I've seen spending so much time in the hospital. I saw some people that were really, boy, they were grumpy with hospital staff and they were nasty and mean. And dad was just so kind with everybody. Um, I can remember this one nurse coming in and having to put an IV in him and she just, his veins, I guess, were not real popped or easy to get to any longer. And she was really having trouble finding this vein. He'd already had a couple IVs in there and she had to get another one in and she kept poking him and poking him and just wasn't coming up with it. And, you know, if you know my father, he doesn't like that stuff very much. And he just laid there and he just said, you know, I, I forget, he, I think he said his name or dear or whatever. He, he put his hand on her hand and said, don't worry about it. You just keep doing what you do. You're doing a great job. You take whatever time you need to do to, to, to make this right. And he was just so kind to everybody. It was really amazing. Um, and if I'm to take this back to, do you, do you want me to share the story of how we originally learned this? Yeah. 
Definitely. Okay. So I originally learned the impression of increase and, and really all the impression of increase is, is in its simple terms, it's making anybody that you come in contact with feel better about themselves because they were in contact with you that day. That's it. Um, you know, if you can do that in the world, it's, it's a great thing. Well, well, I was, I, I, I think you know this, I, I worked in the seminar company uh, in early, early days when I was a teenager in early 20s. And I felt I needed to leave the company and do my own thing for a while. I needed to make my own mark in the world. So I got into real estate and I started selling real estate up in Toronto. And I did very, very well. Um, my first year, I was setting records. Um, I was in the top 100 for a a very large real estate company nationwide or internationally, I believe. Um, and I was doing extremely well. Well, I think it was 1988, 1989. I was in a seminar down in Palm, Palm Desert, just outside of Palm Springs. And a fellow by the name of Mike Ferry was putting on this course. And Mike Ferry was a big real estate trainer. And there was probably 2000 agents in the, uh, in, in the ballroom, I guess it was. And I was sitting right in the front row. I was just soaking up whatever I could to, to you know, make me more efficient, better at, at what I was doing. And Mike actually called me up onto the stage. And uh, he, you know, he introduced me to the audience and he says, uh, you know, this is Brian Proctor. He's, you know, doing all of this in real estate and he's, he's a rookie. He's brand new in the business. And, you know, he's selling more homes than most of you in the audience are. And it was really, it was a nice kind of a pump up, but he said to me that he said, what is it that you're doing that's causing you to be such a success so quickly? And I stood there and I thought for a moment and it hit me. It, it took me back to grade four. Um, we had moved around as a family quite a bit. Um, we, I was born in Toronto. Uh, so I lived in Toronto for a while. We moved to England. We moved back to Toronto. Then we moved to Chicago and this was all before grade four. So I had been in like three or four different schools already. And I remember sitting in the den in Chicago on Maplewood Lane in Glenview, Illinois. Dad talks about that address a lot because that's where he really dreamed up the whole business of what he did. And I can remember sitting in that den and I, and I said to dad, I said, you know, I'm really scared about going to school again. I'm being that new kid again. I just hated being that new kid all the time. And this is when he taught me this. He says, Brian, he says, you go to school and you go out there and you meet people. He says, just put four letters across their forehead. And he says, those letters are MMFI. And I kind of looked at him. And I said, well, what does that mean? He says, it stands for make me feel important. And he says, if you can make the person who is in front of you feel important, feel better because they're with you. You ask them questions. You compliment them sincerely. Be interested in them. You will make all kinds of friends and you will get on in this world in a great way. And I have no idea why, but that really stuck. And that's what I did. And I made friends super easily. Um, you know, he, he always said, do you ever like going into any place where you get somebody that, and all they're doing is talking about themselves and they're just on you and on you and on you. And it's like, oh my God, I want to get away from this. And he says, you don't want to be like that. You know, you want to be sincerely interested in them. Yeah. And so that's what I did. And I guess I was doing it unconsciously most of my life. I'm sure I consciously did it back then initially, but it became an unconscious thing. 
And I didn't realize it until I was standing on that stage in California back in 1988 or 89, what I was doing. And from that moment on, I made it my mission that I would consciously do that even stronger. And boy, oh boy, that opened my world up even bigger. Um, and that's it. It's just, and that's how my father lived. He lived with the impression of increase. Leave everybody you come in contact with feeling better because they were in contact with you. They were in your presence. And if you can do that for people, Andrea, your 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 world is just, it's 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 your oyster. It, everything opens up um, because you will attract so much good into your life. People will want to work with you. They'll want to deal with you, whatever business that is. Um, you know, your opportunities will present themselves because people will want to bring you in on certain situations or opportunities because they just like being around you. And um, it's a great way to live. That's how my father lived. That's how I live. Um, I certainly see it in my son, Danny, my daughter, Leanne. Um, and it's it's a great way to be. I love it. I love all of that. And it's definitely something that I talk about a lot on the podcast. I talk about it like seeing the spirit in another person, see the good in them. I don't see anything else. There isn't anything else because spirit's beautiful. Right. And when you can see the beauty in each person and their potential, what they are capable of, it's just mind blowing. Yeah. And well, and like, here's the key. Yeah. Sometimes you can run into somebody that you really don't like or you really don't want to be around. Yeah. But there's always something you can find nice about that person. Yeah, there it, is. Could be, it could be just the way their hair is done. Um, it could be anything and just compliment them on that. And that way it is sincere. If it's something you can truly find that's good in them and compliment them and then carry on. Um, but you, you can do it with everybody. Yeah. Now, Brian, I got to tell you, because we talked a, bit, a little bit in the beginning about trying not to get emotional when I was writing the questions, I, I couldn't imagine how am I going to do this without tearing up on this interview? <laughs> and you're talking and I'm watching you and I can see Bob in you coming out through you. Your face changed and I can completely see you as him. Mm -hmm. And it's just crazy. You know how sometimes you can look at your kids and you can see yourself in your kids. Mm -hmm. I can see him coming through and it just made like tears come in my eyes. I'm like, I better not cry on this interview. This is crazy. <laughs> Stay focused, but okay. he comes through you like nothing else. It's oh, just you. amazing. I love it. I love I, it. I will say here, here's another lesson, um, you know, because I do feel him coming through me all the time. And, you know, something I maybe covered briefly in the book, but I didn't go into deep, deep detail is all on goal setting. And, you know, dad was always about having a firm goal, something you were you were striving for, something you were going after. And he says, when you have a goal that you don't know how you're going to achieve it, but it excites you and you're willing to step out and do whatever is necessary to get there, that's when your life dramatically improves. And that's when you bring things to you that you would have never gotten otherwise. And I can tell you very clearly that I've never really cared to be on stage. I did it um, or to be teaching or quite frankly, Andrew, doing podcasts. No. Um, but I am embracing it because I know that this is the action taken I need to do to get this book into as many hands as possible. And I've got a big goal for how I want this book to sell. As you know, you don't. we don't get rich selling books. So I'm not doing this for the money. 
Um, yes, I'll earn some money from it, but yeah. believe me, it's it's not very much. Um, my mission on this is to get my father's message out to as many people as possible, because I think there's a great message here. And so I'm willing to step out and do things like this, which is not my normal way of being. And that's also a great lesson. You know, if, if you're going after something you really want, you will take action and do things in a day that you would never normally do. And that's, uh, that's kind of a, that's a cool experience. So that's, that's probably why you're seeing that. I feel my father just coming through me because I'm stepping out and doing whatever it takes. Ryan, it brought tears to my eyes. I'm listening to you talking about impression of increase, trying not to cry here. I'm like, this is crazy because I see your, his face right over yours, exactly the same. And you're talking and, and delivering his message just as he would. And it's hitting me and I'm going, I got I got I got to bring this up here because I can see it behind you. The reason why you're doing this and stepping out of your comfort zone and and doing all these things that you have to and you haven't talked about it in anything I've seen but it's the the hourglass. I yeah. see it behind you. Could you address this? Why is this so important that it's on the cover? Well, it's funny. It's 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 I don't even think I address it in the book. Um, I guess it's subliminal. <laughs> if I'm the, it's right behind you. Unintentionally, yeah. And it's I've got an hourglass right behind me that's like the one in the book. Um, and I have to tell you, that is a coincidence, um, no which is really crazy. Yeah. Um my father, ever since I can remember, when I was a little kid on the stage. He would be holding up this, he had a monster hourglass for quite a while. It, it broke somewhere and, and he couldn't find another one. But um, he always taught about the value of being in the present moment, where the where the sand is right now as it's coming through and living in the present moment. He says, the past, the sand at the bottom is behind us. It's part of the past. There's nothing we can do about it. You know, he always had a great statement. I, I it always resonated with me. I loved it. He says, you cannot change the time you got out of bed this morning. It is what it is. <laughs> and, you know, we've had all kinds of things happen to us in the past, um, good and bad. It is what it is. And the the big key he taught was to let it go. Um, you know, especially if it's negative stuff, you got to just let it go. You can't let, don't let it form part of your identity. And he said, the future, he says, we have no idea what the future holds. Um, all we've got is the present moment with the sand that's going through that little that little piece at the moment. And if we can live more in the present moment and do what we can right now and be present in our lives with our family, with those around us, um, our life will be so much better. And that was something he always taught. I never really put that in the book, um, but the sand timer's on the cover and it's behind me probably because that's just, to me, every time I see a sand timer, I think of my father. Um, he, it was always a big part of his teaching. And, um, so it's just, it just became a part of this. Um, like I say, maybe subliminally in my own head, you know, it's, uh, it's a funny thing, but. Yeah, but look how all these little things add up, like the lessons learned when you apply them, you don't know you're doing it after time. They just are there. Like when we were setting this up and you said, pick the day, I'm like, well, I better pick it quickly and firmly. <laughs> Pick the day and make a decision. Let's do it. Cause that's just what we were taught. Right. right. And, 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 and you're living it now. 
it's not by accident that the sand timer is behind you and that I noticed it's on the cover of your book because okay. these are the principles that when you're applying them, you're doing them. And I just want to go to um, vision a little mm -hmm. bit because it was in Bob's early seminars that I learned how to take an image and make a picture in the screen of our mind. And we taught that to the kids in the youth mentoring, like whatever it is, dream it first. And, and, you know, he talked about what a beautiful life it was. And you said in the book, he would even look up and say, the ceiling is beautiful. And then I thought, well, shoot, Bob Proctor's ceiling in the front way kind of looked a little bit like like Las Vegas or the Bellagio. So he had kind of a different ceiling than I've got here. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I couldn't help but wonder, um, what do you think Bob saw on the screen of his mind that could help us to have more gratitude in our heart? Like, how did he look at the world and see such beauty? Oh, that's a real easy answer, Andrea. He so just, he lived from a place of gratitude, no matter what was going on around him, um, business-wise, personal-wise, whatever, he always looked around in gratitude. He was just grateful for whatever was around him. Um, you know, I, I think back to sitting in the backyard with him, and I think I did write about this in the book. We, we sat in the backyard thousands of times. I mean, it, you know, he, he was in that house, I think close to 40 years. Um, he loved his back garden, the backyard. And he just loved sitting there and just watching the birds and the squirrels and, uh, you know, the, the, the trees and just everything around there. And every time we sat back there, he would just look around and he said, Bri, isn't this just wonderful? Isn't this beautiful? I just love it here. And he was always grateful, um, no matter what was going on. And that's where, I, you know, the ceilings, like he was sick then. This was, we brought him home and, you know, so he only had a couple of days left. Um, he wanted to, he wanted to go at home. He didn't want to, you know, leave in a hospital and he was laying in his hospital bed. And while he could still speak, that's when he was looking up the ceiling. He says, wow, isn't this beautiful? Wow. And my gosh, the man's about to, to, to pass away, not feeling good. And he was still looking at all the beauty around him and appreciating it. There's a lesson there. Yeah. And another thing that came to my mind was just the peace that he had. And he talked about it in the seminars. He talked about it with his mom who kept saying, I'll soon be gone. I'll soon be gone. And I got a picture with Bob behind me with his mom in the front at Gina's wedding. Uh -huh. and, you know, so he had such a, um, like a, a thought process of, of peace when it came to where, when we're all going to go to the other side. And, you know, this was years ago. So, you know, how do you think that the fact that we're spiritual beings with an intellect li living in a physical body, how do you think that translates into the peace that he had with the fact we're all still here? Yeah, it's, you know what? I, I don't know as I can answer that one fully. Um, I, I can just say that he was okay with it. Um, it was tough when he left for sure. I'm not going to sugarcoat that one. It was hard. Um, however, he made it easier, which was kind of crazy. Um, he knew he was going and he was okay with it. Um, he he actually embraced it. And, you know, people around him that were, well, why don't we try doing this or try doing that? And he would just say, please, let's just be at peace with this. Um, and he was, he was okay with it. So it, I can say it's given me a different perspective on death. That's for sure. Um, I'm not as afraid of it as I might have been. 
um, because of the way I saw him handle it. Um, and that's, that's kind of the cool thing. And that's really, you know, a big part of why I wrote this book was because of the way he handled things. And that's kind of what I wrote about. It's, you know, everything in it is really how he handled different situations, why he believed in certain things the way he did. Um, and, you know, even right down to death, um, he really, he changed my viewpoint of it. So that in itself, I think is, is, is pretty good. And he made me okay with him leaving. Um, I, I can remember, you know, years ago thinking, God, what would I do if dad's gone? It would just be like, and I would get choked up and think, God, I could never, you know, I was just, I was that close with him. And when he left, it was like, it wasn't easy, but I was okay with it because of the way he made it. Um, he was, he was just, he was, he was a powerful teacher right up till the very end, Andrea. He really was. Right. And yeah. now you just have to work on those skills that he taught that right. he's still there and you can ask questions. It's just listening and getting the advice that you hear and feel. Do you still feel him around all the time? I do. You know, it's my wife and I joke. I have two places that I chat with dad. Um, one is uh, we have a reclining chair in our bedroom overlooking the ocean. And, uh, Dad loved that chair. When I, when we used to live in Florida, we had that chair there. He got in and he says, oh my God, he went and ordered one right away to get, have sent to his house. He loved it that much. So that is one place that I sit and relax and 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 talk with him. And the other is funny enough is the hot tub. I, you know, lots of times I'll just, I'll just get in the hot tub and I'll just lay in there and I'll close my eyes and I'll just have a conversation with him. Um, I just open myself up to it. Um, I, it's not always easy. Um it's not always easy, but you know, yeah. I do. Yeah. And so let's go, let's go into what he did for you um, with Corey, because you, <laughs> I, I just remember, I remember what life was like for you all those, all those years. And, and I remember you coming by and, and you had such excitement in you. I'm like, wow, you know, I really want to see Brian living his best life. You came by on a motorcycle. I think, mm -hmm. uh, you came by the offices and I went out on my first spin and I think I made you drop, drop me off like miles down the road. So my dad wouldn't see that I'd been on a motorcycle. I'm like, <laughs> brought me off all the way up the street because he would kill me. But um, I just remember what life was like. There was something and someone that, that was there for you that it took you a while to, to meet and you use the principles. Mm -hmm. Can you just explain a little bit about how you used what Bob taught us all to do with attracting the right person into your life? Sure. Yeah, that was, you know, that that is probably one of the top questions that he always got asked in a seminar. Isn't um, it? Yes. Yeah. You know, people are coming for what I always thought was business stuff and how to be better at business, how to earn more money. Uh, yet the the number one question was, how do I track that perfect partner? Um, that was always the big thing. And it's really simple. All he says was, you have to get in harmony with what it is you truly want in a, in a, in a, in a partner. And he says, you need to start writing out the traits, personality traits, the, the type of person that they are. Um, and so what I did was I started writing a Word document. I, I had just come out of a well, not just, I'd been, I'd come out of a, a relationship that was really hurtful, was not good. I was not in a great place. And so I took a break. I, I just thought, I don't need anybody in my life right now. And that's when I moved to Florida. 
Um, and I just was starting kind of a new version of my life. And I didn't worry about having a partner in my life. Well, a couple of years into it, then I'm, I'm, I, I, I was ready. I, I wanted somebody special in my life. And I thought, I don't need to bring in somebody that's going to be hurtful again or, or keep reliving the same things that I had lived in my past relationship. I did not have a great track record that way. And so I thought, you know what, I need to do what dad tells everybody to do in a seminar. So I opened up my computer and I started up a Word document. And I started just writing out clearly the type of person that I wanted to be with, how they were, how they presented themselves. Um, how they lived, how they were kind, um, how they were always coming from a grateful place. Um, you know, just just personality traits that I was in harmony with. And I would write that out. And then every morning I would open up that document and I'd read it. And sometimes I would change things. I would add things. And it became really, really specific as to the type of person I wanted in my life. And I wasn't particularly specific on their physical presence, other than I wanted them to be an active person that were, you know, always out doing things. Other than that, I, I, I left it wide open because it's it's like you just want you want that that connection, that that perfect person. And that's what I did. And I started focusing on that. And I started going on a few dates and they're always just kind of one dates. It was just like, this person isn't exactly what I'm looking for. And it's so funny. So Corey, who is now my wife, we work together in the seminar company and we worked together for quite a few years. And I really liked Corey, uh, but we work together. So, you know, I always felt that that's kind of off limits. And I think my father saw it before I did. And he, he started, oh, this is quite a few years ago um, when we were doing big events he said, you know, I want a table off to the left of the stage, just a little bit that's away out aside from the audience, but that's close enough that's not in the light so I can see the people there. And then if I need something, I can get something. So he had a table set there and he says, I want Brian and Corey at that table. <laughs> and we're like, okay. <laughs> so that was our table at every single event. So Corey and I were always sitting next to each other. And we really became close friends. And we would go out for walks in the morning before the seminars and really got to know each other. And man, I just loved who Corey was. I never really thought about it because of the work thing. Um, but I just loved who she was. And anyways, eventually I had somebody, uh, Gina, who you know, um, Gina talked me into, uh, I won't get into that whole story, but Gina talked, it's in the book, yeah. but Gina talked me into letting Corey know how I felt. And I did. And the first thing Corey said was to me was, well, how is this going to work? I live in Alaska and you're in Florida. And it was like my father flowed through me right then. You know, dad was still around then, obviously. And I, I just said, I don't know how this is going to work, Corey. But I said, if you're interested, let's just see. Let's just see how it unfolds and we'll 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 make it work. Um, you know, I don't know how that distance thing will, will work out, but I'm sure if it's meant to be, it'll work itself out. Well, when I look back, at, at that time, when I looked at my document, she fit absolutely everything on my document, except for one thing. That was that she lived close to where I lived. Um, and at the end of the day, that didn't matter. 
And I don't live in Florida anymore. And I'm actually living in a place that I love even way more than Florida. Like I love where we live. And that wouldn't have happened if I had stuck to that one thing. But everything else on that list, Corey, is exactly that. And, you know, I think my father saw it before I did, which is okay. That's, you know, that's probably normal. But then, you know, Corey and I got together and it was like in no time at all. We were, you know, we got married and and life is great. I, I am, I'm with the absolute perfect partner um, and I'm loving life. And it's because, you know, I took action and and did one of the simple lessons that dad taught from the stage that most of us don't do. You know, a lot of times we see him talk about things like this and we think, oh, that's great. And then we just kind of carry on with our life. Um, I actually did it and it, and it really worked. And it's amazing to see because she obviously brings out in you um, and makes the best in you and you with her. So I just, I just love seeing it. And I saw it when I saw the paradigm shift seminar, when you were talking about it, that's when I first saw it. I thought, this is great. Good for Brian. I'm so happy. Um, but, but what caught my attention in the book was when you said, don't worry about the how. Right. How many times did we hear that? Like, you know, <laughs> what do you want, Andrea? Well, I want to live in Arizona and I want to start working on our educational system because there's a big mess out in the U.S. and Columbine happened. And, you know, whenever he asked me what, what I was going to do and I'd be like, but I don't know how I'm going to do that. And he'd be like, well, you don't now have to ha know how you just got to know what it is. And I heard that so many times and I would look at him and go, well, you know, good for you, Mr. Bob Proctor, who has all the answers, but like, how, how, how am I going to do that? And isn't it amazing when you look at all the crazy things that you did, like, um, you know, getting, meeting Corey and, and I think about the things that I did, strange and marvelous things happen to make it all happen. You couldn't have predicted how, there's no possible way. I couldn't have planned it out. It's just all these weird things that, like Bob saying, sit at the table and you got to know each other in a different way. Or, you know, I just, I, I, you can't plan it looking forward only like Steve Jobs says, looking back, right. Isn't there's something well, you know, really powerful to that. Yeah. And the, you know, the big thing, and dad did teach this with goal setting with anything. If you know the, how, you know, how you're going to do it. There's no inspiration in that. Right. You know, if you yeah. don't know how, but boy, this is something you really want or something you yeah. really want to do. Yeah. And you just step into it and you just figure it out as you go. There's yeah. inspiration in that. That's and there's it. growth in that. Uh, you know, he, he always said uh, the growth is in getting towards is working towards the goal. It's not in the actual getting of the goal. It's the growth that it takes to get there. And if we go after something that we don't know how we're going to do, there's inspiration in that. And we're going to learn things and do things um, that we wouldn't normally do. And that is. That's how, that is how we open ourselves up to a much better life. Now you just explained in a way that I didn't understand um, that diagram where you go um, from theory um, to fantasy. You pick the thing that you, you don't know how you're going to get. You can't do, you can't go buy the same car that you've already had. There's no inspiration in that. Right. Pick the car that you don't know how to drive that, you know, is way out of your budget and then, and figure out how you're going to do that. That's where the inspiration is, right? Yeah, exactly. Wow. Well, I have a couple of questions for you. We're coming close to the, the last little bit here. So I'm going to okay. cut through to some of the questions that I think are really important because you touched on it. And it was when 
Bob taught you how to really embrace your feelings and not be afraid. And if I think back to where I was in the late 90s, I was afraid of taking chances of, you know, um, getting hurt, wouldn't never have told somebody how I felt. It wasn't how we were raised. Like my parents never talked about feelings. And then and then we get exposed to, well, you know, what do you really think? What do you really feel? What actions do you want to take? And suddenly it just becomes not so scary. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what Bob taught taught you about just embracing your feelings and and being open with what you saying what you really feel. Yeah, he you know what he just um, I guess I'm I, I was really fortunate that way. I mean I know I'm fortunate to be a son. Um, you know there's no that's the easiest way to just say it. Um, Dad always made it easy to to talk about your feelings and 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 just be who you were. Um, he always told me how much he loved me. Um, he, it was never, uh, it was never one of those things as, you know, as you know, sometimes kids think, God, do they really love me? Or, you know, am I just their kid? And am I, you know, whatever it might be. Um, you know, I always knew how dad felt. Um, he always showered me with love. And I mean, right to the last days, my gosh, some of the things he told me the last days, like I, uh, the only person that really knows is my wife, Corey. Um, he, he said things to me that have touched me so deeply. Um, he was never afraid to to just put it out there. And so, I, I, honestly, I just learned that naturally, Andrea. It wasn't one of those things that I had to switch. Um, and I feel it's always the way I've been. I think I think most people will always know how I'm feeling about something. I can't say that I know that for sure. Um, and I'm sure there's times that they don't, but, but I'm always okay with letting my feelings be known. Um, and dad just made it easy that way. So I don't really, I, I, I wish I could give you some profound lesson around it. I can't um, because he just made it easy. I think, I think, you know, if, if I'm to give any kind of lesson around it, I think as we have children or even close friends and stuff, the more we can just be open with them and open our heart to them, I think the better the better off you'll be and the deeper your connection will be. Um, I truly feel that the connection I had with my father was because of how open we were with each other. Um, and I know a lot of father-son relationships are not like that. Um, but, you know, I was fortunate to grow up with that. So... And we're going to kind of go right back to the very beginning with my final question here before I, you know, come in for a close. But so you talked about how Bob was, he was a pro is at his best regardless. And you talk about it in the book um, all the way through, but chapter eight, you talked about the chalkboard and how meticulous he was with the chalkboard. And, yep. and it brought back a memory of when he sent me on this trip in New Orleans, he said, here's a hundred dollars. Go bring me back a Sharpie that had a slanted tip. And I was like, what? It was like seven in the morning. Nothing was open in New Orleans except for like the bars. <laughs> I was like trying to figure out where am I going to get a Sharpie? And I found one and brought it back. <clears throat> but uh, it just, it just made me think when I was reading chapter eight of how he was a pro regardless of where he was just, you know, could you just talk about how serious he was about his craft? Yeah. So he was very serious about his craft. Um, and, and that lesson in itself 
is really powerful because he had situations where he would show up to do a seminar and there was only a few people in the audience back in the early days. And he would still get up on that stage and he would teach as if the room was filled. Um, he was a pro regardless. He was always at his best regardless. Um, you know, the last six months of his life, he was not doing very well, Andrea. Um, you know, he was, uh, he, he couldn't walk very easily. Um, he was struggling his, uh, you know, if you see if you see videos of him at the very end, because of some of the medications he was on, his face was starting to swell up a little bit. Um, he was not in a comfortable place and he still wanted to reach people. He still wanted to teach um, no matter what was going on with him personally. He was always at his best. And I can remember uh, when I was up helping take care of him at the at the end he still wanted to do some some online sessions for for different groups of people and boy it was a chore getting him ready to get him out there to do it it would take time because he was in pain and it was not easy and we'd get him out to the studio and set him in his chair and then step back and the cameras would come on and if you didn't know you would never have known that he was not in good shape for that 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour, whatever it was that he was on, he was on and he was teaching. And he always said that no matter what you do, you do your best at it. No matter what's going on around you, how you're feeling. That's it. There's a valuable lesson in that, because if you do that, you're going to get way on way better in this world. Well, that's that's how he was right to the end. And he was not doing well. But if you were watching him, you would have never known. He just channeled and did his best and was on because it was his passion to teach. It was his passion to help people live a better life. It was kind of a cool thing about my father. And, um, you know, when the session would be done, poof, he would crash. I mean, he would he would sleep for four hours. It was, you know, it was like he was done. But for those of you that saw him at the end on video, on YouTube, wherever it was, Boy, he was always on, even when he wasn't feeling on. And that was, there's a powerful lesson in that. And I've always learned that when you do something, do it right, do it well. Um, and no matter what's going on around you. And if you do that, uh, you're going to live a better life. It's really that simple. Um, but most of us, you know, will will use all kinds of excuses to not do something or to not do it as well. And Dad never used excuses. He just wouldn't. And that, that was a great thing. And I, I know I learned that from him. And when I try to do something, I try to do my best at it. Um, and, you know, obviously you, you you have different times that you're you're better or not as good or whatever. But if you try to do your best at that moment, you're gold. You're gold. And and that's how dad lived. And that's, that's that is how I try to live as well. Some very valuable lessons here. This is incredible. Brian, we've reached the top of the hour. So I do have to stop my questions. I could keep going <laughs> here, but I'll, I'll let you get back to your day. What would be your final thoughts here to just close this out? You know, what do you want people to take away? Go to brianproctor.com, get the book. And what message do you want people to, to leave with? So... You know, I said in the beginning, this book is not about me. It's about my father. So I have no qualms in saying, please go and get the book. Um, you know, if you go to brianproctor.com, go to Amazon, wherever, you, you'll find my father knew the secret growing up with Bob Proctor. If you go to my site, you'll be able to get, you know, you can order the book through Amazon or whatever. And I've got some extra bonuses that 
Um, you know, I'll be doing live Q&A and doing a couple of different things with the people that want to be there. Um, this book, I know, will change your life. I just know it because my life is forever changed because I had Bob Proctor as a father. And if you have ever studied with Bob Proctor, then this is a must read. Um, even if you don't know who Bob Proctor is, I guarantee you this will be a very valuable read. Um, because I show a side of my father that nobody else really knows. Uh, you know, my wife, Corey, she always said, Brian, you're the only one that can really write this book. Um, I never really thought about it, but it's true. I'm the one that, I was with him from day one. Um, you know, dad started teaching this when I was a young child. So I've been through the entire thing. And I saw his down times, I saw his up times, and everything in between. And what I share is the personal side of who Bob Proctor was and how he changed my life. And if you get this book and read, the cool thing is you can, you can open this up anywhere and just pick a chapter and read. You don't have to read it from front to back. And, you know, Dad always said, if, you, if, you're, if, you, if you're having trouble with something, you need an answer with something, pick up a good book and just open it up anywhere and start reading. And your answer will usually appear. And I hope that this book will do the same thing. Um, so I would encourage everybody to go out, please get the book. I know that it's a valuable read. You will get lessons that will change your life. Um, and then I would recommend that, you know, even after you read it, go out and get a few more copies and give it to friends and family. Um, you know, wait until you see it and you know, but I know that you'll want to get more copies to give away. Um, there's that much value in it. I, I, both my wife and I put a ton of work into this and we feel really good about this product and what this book does. And this is, in my opinion, the most inexpensive way to really learn from Bob Proctor and to learn the life lessons that can change your life all in a book. You don't have to pay thousands and thousands of dollars for anything. It's just a book. And in this book, it holds everything, Andrea. So that's my, that's my final statement. I just really hope that you'll go out and purchase the book, read it, dig into it, and uh, and start to actually practice some of the things that I learned in there. You don't have to do it all at once. You know, not many of us can do everything all at once. But boy, if you start changing one thing at a time, um, you'll look back a year a year down the down the road. You'll look back at how things have changed for you, and you won't even realize how it was until you you've done it and it's your whole world will be different. Brian, I've got to thank you so much for coming on the podcast and I would never have felt this outside of the interview, but you are completely channeling Bob. Like you're and <laughs> and I mean you look like him, you sound like him. I I'm sitting here going, you know, is this Bob? Like you know what I'm saying, I'm looking at you and I'm like, it, you completely remind me of Bob. He's coming through just as he would. And, and I think that's wild. Like I've never interviewed somebody and I'm completely seeing <laughs> your dad in yeah. you. It's just, it, it's giving me chills, but I just want to thank you for this experience. It, um, you know, completely opened me up to some new lessons, solidified some lessons that I knew, but didn't really have a handle on as we went through this. So thank you so much. You really should be proud of this book. I, I encourage everyone to read it. 
Um, and I also want to thank you for the time you spent with me. I haven't forgotten any of it. You encouraged me years ago to go after my dreams and spend some time with ideas and thoughts and advice for me that I clearly never forgot. So I put it all into practice because I thought, shoot, if Brian's telling me this, I better pay attention. <laughs> so, you know, I want to thank you for all of that. And, um, you know, you're just one of those people that's truly humble Um very genuine, it, very unique. So I, I hope that people get the book and start to see the message from your side, because I know you're not going to promote yourself the way that Bob might have said, hey, make sure your grandma gets a copy. But, you know, people can do that for you because really Bob did give unconditionally to so many. I want the same for you with what you're doing next. I want I want everyone that Bob gave to to come back and and help you out with what you're doing. So I I I want to see you on Lewis Howe's podcast. That's my <laughs> my next goal. I've got the vision of you. Let's let's see you on Lewis Howe's. Get the word out there. And uh, so thanks for all you're doing for the world, Brian. Oh, thank you, Andrew. I really enjoyed this. It's 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 fun, and I I you know I do love just putting out the message of what my father was all about. I think there's, I think there's a lot of value in that. So thank you. And I appreciate your time. You're doing a great job. This is going to be fun to watch. What an interview. This one really hit me on many levels, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, as it took things full circle for me, speaking with the son of someone who's made such an influence on where I ended up in life and the obvious impact he had on Brian himself or his close family, as well as the countless others globally who Bob Proctor impacted through his work. It was something else catching up with Brian, revisiting old memories he shared, but also very surreal, especially when he was talking about the impression of increase, and I noticed my eyes were starting to tear up. If you watch the YouTube interview, you'll see it, but it really took me by surprise that as Brian was speaking, I started to see his father in his face. There are so many lessons in this episode, in Brian's book, and especially when we look back at previous episodes that led up to this one. If you haven't listened to my interview with Bob Proctor, you can go back to episode 66 and you'll see where my path began and some of the questions that Bob answered for me. And then don't miss episode 67, where I listed the top lessons I learned from my time working and studying with Bob over the years. But for today's episode, I've got to narrow in on some of the lessons that weren't obvious until after the interview. And it really does show the power and seriousness of this information that Brian writes about in his book. So here's my aha moments and takeaways. The biggest takeaway for me with this interview, besides the fact it felt like I was interviewing Bob and not his son, was the fact that Bob asked everyone, what do you really want? And it hit me while reflecting on this interview while I was editing it, that he was trying to get us to think. And thinking is the hardest work in the world, he would say, and that most people don't think. I remember when he first asked me that question, I'd never really thought about it. And I remember feeling like he caught me off guard and I just said, I don't really know. Until years later, I had some time to figure out I wanted to do something with our educational system and youth. And then I went full force after that, leading me to where I am today. 
So the first lesson we all learned was to think. And we all have this ability to think, but sometimes we're just too busy and we forget to dream up new thoughts. We forget to activate our imagination. And then we can learn to dream. And we learned we could create anything we wanted with belief. And then we can strengthen that belief with books like Think and Grow Rich. And then as all we needed to do was to get emotionally involved with what we wanted and then take action. And this was the formula that would describe our attitude that would determine our altitude in life. And creating a beautiful life was simple if you followed and believed in this formula. And this is where I say that the interview has the potential to change the course of our life forever. If you really believe in what you want, there's nothing other than yourself that will prevent you from achieving it. And it sounds pretty simple and easy to understand, but there's a lot more to it involved that I can see could take us a lifetime to fully understand and apply. And not everyone follows through with what we really want as life sometimes gets in the way or we get in our own way. And how many times did Brian say, I heard it often, but he didn't really understand the significance of certain lessons until he consciously thought about them. And this is why ongoing continual study is crucial with this information as we take it out of our subconscious mind and into our conscious awareness. And I've been working on connecting David Eagleman's work in neuroscience to the fact that there's so much more to our senses than what our eyes can see. And this is where things get exciting for me as we begin to connect the science to these age-old principles. And I wonder for you, do you think... If I were to ask you what you really want, would you have a clear and concise answer? My second aha moment, you don't need to know how you're going to do what you want. You just need to listen to your heart. And Brian mentioned he heard this so many times. Well, you don't need to know how you're going to do what you want to do. And we'd all be stumped hearing that because most people would like to get the specific steps to where they're going to go with their goals. And I thought about the diagram I've covered on this podcast. It's called the creative process or how you take your goal and you take it from fantasy where it begins in your mind with your imagination. Then it goes to theory where you use your reasoning factors to plan your vision and you put it into words and then you bring it into a fact or reality with action. And this is where the quantum leap idea the Price Pritchett's book covers as it's with this step that we stretch our goals and we do something we've never done before. Goals are not meant to get something, they're meant for us to grow. I'm sure you've heard this as often as I have. Don't go out and buy the same car you've always driven or go after the same job you've always done. Don't do something you know you can do. There's no inspiration in that. Don't get stuck doing something you don't really want to do. Stretch and do something you really want to do, even if the masses would think it to be impossible. This is what will take you quantum leaps from where you've always been. This was like when I set sights on moving to the U.S. from Toronto, putting me way outside of my comfort zone, not even knowing the legal process involved when I first said this is what I wanted to do, turning me into a whole new version of myself with this move. Or when Brian, who isn't totally comfortable speaking in public or doing podcasts, he does them anyway with the goal of spreading the word of his father's message, where his heart is involved, 
with this new book, and he's got a vision that I know will take him far past his old identity or the old version of Brian that I remember didn't really enjoy speaking back in the day, and it creates a whole new version of Brian today. These are quantum leap goals, and they're worth getting excited about. Is there something you really want, but it feels like a stretch for you? The key is to write it down and then decide you'll do it. Go from fantasy in your mind with your imagination, then you go to theory, create your plan, and then you go to fact where you turn your fantasy into reality. The final aha moment was to get up and take action. And this last takeaway is that once we know what we want, we've got to do the work involved to get it. And the quote by James Allen that I quoted at the end of our last episode, 291, came to mind when I was writing this. He thinks in secret, and it comes to pass. Environment is but his looking glass. There's no way to escape doing the work. Brian said his dad told him to just write a little bit every day to complete this book. One step at a time, until eventually you look up, and the world around you has changed with the repetition of doing a little bit each day. If you find yourself procrastinating with something, then I'm going to guess it's not really a goal that stretches you, so there isn't any inspiration with what you're doing. I wonder, do you have a plan in place for your vision? Does your vision stretch you to do something you've never done before? I'd love to hear the aha moments that you had with Brian's interview and what you think of his new book. And with that, we'll close out today's episode. I'll see you next week as we pick up where we left off and prepare for some new and exciting interviews in the month of July. I'll see you next time. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episode. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com. 